Hey you, it's Rachel O'Mara. I'm host of the podcast, and I'm so glad that you are here. We are discussing tips and proven strategies in the world of emotional intelligence so that you can rise to your next level of leadership without the overwhelm. I'm also the author of the book, Pause, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break based on my burnout of Google and all the things that I've learned since that are really in this realm of neuroscience, psychology, and emotional intelligence. If you're interested to download my free guidebook for how to get over out of overwhelm, I invite you to do that at rachelomera.com slash guidebook. Just so excited. Let's just start and dive in. Hey, you. Hello, and welcome to this episode, which I'm excited to talk about because it is all about recovery. And I don't know anyone who's not excited to recover. (laughs) If you're feeling tired, if you're worn out, if you maybe had a good exercise routine that you just came back from, and maybe you don't even exercise, but you know, and feel like you need to recover. That's what today is all about. And I'm really excited to dive in because most of you may know this, but I am an athlete and I know recovery really, really well, how it works from the, the side of our own athletic performance. And I really think it's very applicable to and relatable to how you can apply this as a leader in your work life, in your career, because I feel like there's a total disconnect on how we look at work versus how we look at our personal own physical bodies, whether we're athletes or just trying to keep ourselves together. If you're dealing with aging and you now need to take a a prescription for something or have a medical issue that requires medicine, uh, healing in any way, right? All of these mean that you are in need of repair and that's all it is. So let's talk about how the art of recovery works with a corporate world and the leadership side. So first thing, you know, I think I do model this after athletes. And if you look at athletic performance, like let's take your favorite football team. Maybe you don't like football. Maybe you watch something on ESPN2, which no one else knows about, like the X Games. I mean, it's all about what you relate to. And in my world, I'm a rower. That's what I do. I'm also a cyclist and a skier mostly, but I'll just talk about rowing because I've done it forever. And I'm a runner. I do do very slow jogging. And, uh, and so all of these things require my body to rest. And when you look at athletic performance, there is intentional time and part of your plan, part of your routine is recovery. And if, if you even are someone who has any wearables in technology that tell you, you need recovery, then you know what I'm talking about. I wear a Garmin 745 watch. That's the triathlon watch. I also do triathlons and it will tell me, it'll say, you need 36 hours to recover. You need 10 hours of recover. It'll tell me when I'm unproductive in my training. And it will tell me when I'm at peak performance in my training, just based on my vitals. And to me, that's data, which is great because I can read it on a daily basis. And I know exactly, oh, okay, maybe I do need to recover. And that's why I feel tired. And from our side as a corporate leader, what is your, what are your, like, what is your dashboard? What do you have for yourself to know you need recovery? 
And I think the athletic model is so good for us as leaders in the corporate space, because we can all relate. We all know sports in some way, whether we watch it or we played something or we know someone or we have a child that plays it or, you know, we, we can all really relate to that. And they are our coaches for those sports usually, especially if you've got younger kids and they're learning and we need the coaches, right? They're the ones who set us up for success. They are the ones who come up with the game plan, the the workout routine and things like that. And many of us don't have coaches. Some of us do have coaches. I commend you if you've got a coach, but even if you don't, you can be your own coach. You can do this yourself, self-coaching. But the first thing to know is that we can model ourselves like these athletes. And the first question I would ask is, what is my on season? Like what, like, is this my on season or my off season? Right. And, and you can kind of decide from there, how do I want to approach my recovery slash my, my, my work, the, the leadership that I'm leading right now and being an influencer in the world and my job and my career. And some of us have off seasons. I know I, in, in work times, we've got lulls and we've got season out. We literally have seasonality, the world of advertising that I came from typically the second quarter uh, was pretty slow and the summer was slow, but that Q4, when there was the holidays, that was things that peaked and, and went in full swing. So we had to be ready for our game and available. And we blocked our calendars and we went hard for those times where we knew maybe in during the actual holiday itself, it wasn't that busy or in the summer when everyone's on vacation, there's not that much happening. So no, you've got an off season season and an on season. And I think of those times, like, is it time to walk or is it time to run? That's another way to think of it. But what is your season? And I love this too, because it's a very feminine way and a perspective of thinking about things. If you have your idea of what that season is, maybe it's right now. Uh, it is for many of us, I think at work right now, as we look at strategic plans for the next year, for the holidays that are right around the corner, these are the things that I think are helping us if we're running right now. And that's okay because maybe that means come January, early January, that's a walk season. That's a season where we don't, and we, we can build in a little bit more recovery. I think that's really, really in, important. So the, the, I like the thing of this too. I, I do everything in like, like, I guess I like sets of three, three keys, right? Three keys to mastering recovery and this art of recovery. And the first one is no, it's okay to walk know it's okay to pause, right? That's a lot about what I speak about at corporations. And a pause is an intentional shift in behavior. It does not mean you don't work, okay? It can, but it's about what is it that works for you so that you can recover and you can feel re replenished and recharged so that your leadership is flying off the ground and you're shining and you're doing what you need to do and you're even more successful than you would have been. I think this is such a big, uh, obstacle because we've been told probably since we were little, little people <laughs> that it wasn't okay to pause, right? What we, like, you're going to be a slacker. Everyone else is going to catch up to you. And I think this is like that old hustle way of thinking, especially coming from a family. If you've had, you know, working class parents, like blue collar parents, or maybe even if they were white collar parents and your family just embraced that strong work ethic. I don't think it's about anything other than that. And you can be any type of person and have a strong work ethic. And so we were taught from early days, you don't have like, don't, don't, don't slow down. You're only going to lose ground and will slip. And 
that wasn't a very different era, by the way, right? Where we didn't have internet 24 seven. And for those of you who are younger, maybe you did have 24 seven internet because you were born really in the last 20 years or so. And now we are catching up with what works for us. And that might mean choosing to be intentional with how you recover, scheduling days off, or even lunch that's not at your desk. I mean, these are little, little things, but I continue to beat this drum because it's, these are the things that we just get hung up on and we don't necessarily shift. So that's the first, I think, big important thing is to know it's okay to pause. And that's so important to this routine of what you're gonna be doing. And then I think the recovery plan is thinking ahead, knowing you've got a choice. You don't have to just continue to show up in ways when you're feeling completely exhausted. Maybe you've had a long streak of working really, really pedal to the metal, challenging hard. And that's incredible. And you can celebrate that, but also know that there's ebbs and flows. I think of it just like a roller coaster, right? Highs and lows, up and down, that sine curve, that sine wave curve, where when sometimes we're at the peak and sometimes we're at the trough. And the recovery is in those troughs, I think, where we're not having to do that performance. And what's really exciting is when you're on those peaks and you might be running in that season, you know it's okay to pause and you take micro pauses. You take multiple mini pauses throughout your day or evening so that the next day you can feel replenished again and recover just like an athlete. We have peak seasons as athletes and we have recovery in those peak seasons. You just can't go hard and do a hundred meter sprint every day for seven days, five times a day. Your body will not break down, your body will break down and you likely will get injured. If we relate this, right? Imagine this whole template in the world of business. <laughs> what would happen if you just continued to have 24 seven sprints, emergencies and fires you're putting out and how many of you have this? And yet it's not okay, or you think it's not okay, or your boss doesn't think it's okay, or the team then the company doesn't think it's okay to do something different. And that's where it's a time to create the boundaries that we need. So the first key is know it's okay to pause. And the second one is design what it is that can work for you in these intervals, whatever, whatever you're doing. In my world, I talk about daily pauses. Daily pauses are so powerful. They don't take a lot of time, literally can be under a minute. They are, uh, they are, they are free and they can happen anywhere. They don't need resources. So they, so if you don't have any money, if you don't have any time, whatever the excuses are for you, this does not apply. This supersedes how you can apply these. One of my favorite daily pauses to use is to name a feeling. You might've heard me talk about this before, but if you haven't, I want you to take note because this is a profound pause that can really inform you about how it's going for you. And really all it is, is to name a feeling, to take the moment and say, how am I feeling right now? And I use the five primary emotions that I've learned, fear, joy, sadness, anger, hurt. So if you want to write those down or take note, joy, sadness, anger, hurt, fear, there's no order. There's no good or bad. There's no right or wrong. It's literally data. And I truly believe we're designed to feel and our feelings are there to inform us of what we could do different or what we could keep doing or move us from pain to pleasure. 
these are all really important things. And I've learned this from the Wright Graduate University where I did all my master's in transformational leadership and coaching, literally naming feelings thousands of times a day, in some cases, uh, hundreds, if not thousands anyway. And it's something that all my students and clients do because it's such a game changer. So this is a great one to, to start with. Again, it doesn't take time and you could do it right now with me. What is that primary feeling right now that you feel fear, hurt, joy, sadness, anger? I call them five alive feelings because they're so harnessing what our all aliveness is about. And just take a moment. Maybe you don't know. And hey, that's okay. You're just starting out. So close your eyes if you can, or give yourself a moment to just maybe do process of elimination and say, well, it's definitely not joy because I'm pretty, pretty calm right now. And maybe calm is the feeling. But if you were to bubble that up to one of those five, calm to me is subtle joy. It actually is feeling content, right? So that would be joy. Maybe you're fidgety and antsy and you just don't want to sit still. You, you really want to turn this off. I don't know. Please don't do that. But if you're feeling antsy, that's a different feeling. That's probably not joy, right? So, so when you're antsy, I think of, of, of unsettledness and it's not joy. So I eliminate that. It's probably, it's not sadness, but it might be for someone. It's not anger, it's actually a fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be listening to this right now. And I'm fidgety because this is uncomfortable. Bleh. Okay. So that's fear. I'm feeling fear. And all we're doing is getting honest with ourselves. I mean, this is really important about the key to being an authentic leader. In my opinion is knowing how you feel and you don't need to tell anybody, but it's for you. And then you can choose how you are in that feeling, right? Maybe you tend to yourself. Maybe you say, you know what? I need a little bit of time. I'm not going to get back to this person right away because their email completely fired me up. And I'm feeling like I want to write down a million things on this piece of paper or this, this email response. And we've all been there, right? Click send. And then you're like, why did I send that? I was so irate. Please don't do that. So this is the idea is you're just literally giving yourself these daily pauses. I think the feelings one is a great one to start with because it's so impactful. If that's something you're already doing, then you can do something else. And research tells us, and this is from Daniel Goleman, that every 45 to 90 minutes is optimal for these pauses to really have peak performance, to optimize our performance as leaders. And that, you know, that means maybe every hour I get up and I get a drink go to the bathroom. I say hello to someone. I go outside. It, it could be anything. And it's up to us to create these pauses. And, and this is, I think, important. And I'm going to mention it because to me, when I knew this information, it really helped me know how significant it was to pause. <laughs> so here's the deal. Our brains, this is neuroscience, right? So when, when our brains are in the mode of doing all the things we do, and I call it task mode, task abyss is when we're like trapped. We, we feel like we can't get out of it. We just have to finish the thing. And this even might mean like scrolling a phone, right? We're just like in the tasks. I got to look at the next picture. We aren't able to pause because our brains are in that mode of task and to-do mode. And we're really good achievers at that. So we have to make it intentional to, to actually walk slash take the daily pause slash feel replenished because it won't happen when we're in the task mode. Our brains can't process it in the same way. We're really only wired for tasking ourselves when we're in the task mode. Does that make sense? That's why we have to interject and really create 
these intentional pauses, these daily pauses that I, I think work so well, but it's a habit. It's a new habit. And we're really hard creatures of habit and, and non-habit, I guess. And so that makes, that takes effort and it's, it's not the norm. And the more the burnout happens and the more people are telling and sharing their stories of pausing, the more I think it will become acceptable that we to take these breaks. And we know this from companies who are leading the way in this, where there's yoga rooms and meditation times and break breaks are encouraged and lunches are encouraged and vacations encouraged and all of these things because they matter so much. So those are, so we're only on the second key here to mastering your recovery, but that's a big one. Okay. And then the third key for the art of recovery and really mastering this is having your plan. And I think of this so much like an athlete, right? We all have a training plan. And even if your training plan is like run three times a week, maybe you don't have a goal, but you know, you want to feel healthy and fit. That is, guess what? That is a goal. It's not very specific. Maybe you've got a weight target. Maybe you've got uh, body mass. I don't know, whatever it is. And that's not really the point of it. It's really about what is the plan? And so a pause plan is your go-to plan for how I'm going to create this change I need. So the first question to ask is what's your biggest challenge? Where do you want to create these pauses in your life, right? Maybe it's Wednesdays because you've got back-to-back meetings from eight to to 6 p.m. That's a long day. And I can't just go the whole day without anything. So what am I going to do there? And maybe I tell someone I'm going to be 15 minutes late to this meeting because I have back-to-back meetings. And you don't need to justify it, by the way. You just need to set expectations. To me, that's biggest thing for accountability. If you can set expectations, you're setting an example. And I would say, be vulnerable. Tell people you're back-to-back meetings for 10 hours and you need 15 minutes before you join for a bio break. I mean, that is a completely reasonable thing. And I hope wherever you are working that you have that. (laughs) I hope no one's in this situation. This is kind of a worst case scenario, but maybe your day is just like normal, but you are tired because you've got your obligations at home. You've, you've done the things outside the workday that are also important and help you and serve you. And so you need to design and create and create what need, what you need as intentional shifts in behavior. And again, these don't take time. They don't take money. They don't take, uh, resources. However, why are we all burning out? 50% of us are burning out mostly in healthcare, technology, one in three on average are burning out. Women are burning out more. These are really new stats too. These are post COVID stats. These come from large multi like thousand person plus studies from big, large consulting firms in Deloitte. This is the one I'm thinking of right now from 2023. Uh, so this is the deal you guys, how are you going to think about your leadership? Like the art of recovery for an athlete? Because I think if we aren't thinking like this, we will burn out. There's going to be some issue, whether it's health related, whether it's re- resistance and, and, and just reactivity because you're resentful of how your days are and you don't feel like your time is yours. And there's short fixes. And sometimes we need better fixes or we need, we need longer term fixes. And I think a lot of us are kind of doing these short term and fixes that go and last for a while. So you could work 10 hour days and push through and figure it all out right away. But the reality is how long can you sustain that? How long can an athlete go on 10 mile runs every day for 
a long time, let's say even three weeks without having a day of recovery, especially if uh, you're not ready for that. And you're also pushing yourself hard for maximum heart rate, let's say. Okay. I'm an athlete. So I, I use these terms. And I'm sorry if they're not relatable, hopefully that they, they, hopefully they are. And I think we can all relate right where there's an off season for football and we have preseason up and training. So we need to start thinking of ourselves like this for the art of recovery as corporate leaders. I think this is a great team discussion, bring it into your next team meeting and say, Hey, like this, this, I, this concept of recovery, I know it, it matters for our performance and what we want to deliver. What are we all doing for this? What is your plan? What is your plan, Susie? What is your plan, Sally? What is your plan, Jimmy? Right? Like we go around the room or maybe we give everyone a moment to think of it, or we say that at the end of the meeting, and then we're going to talk about this for the first five minutes before the next meeting. When we think and talk about and speak about the how of how our team is performing and doing, performance increases. And this, this, this is what happens. It's actually been uh, research and works in terms of how to create higher team emotional intelligence and performance. And that's research from Vanessa Derscott, which I've cited her before. Hopefully she'll be on the podcast someday. All right. So that's a wrap for the art of recovery leaders. What do you think? I'm curious, what are you going to do different? Do you already do this? I would love to know. Maybe you'd like to come on and share your art of recovery because I would love to have you. I don't have, I have guests on once a month and we could talk about it. I think the more people start thinking in this way, cause we can all relate to this athletic concept of performance. There's coaches, there's plans, there's on days and off days, there's training peaks and off seasons. There's big game A races and there's D races right? Meaning not so important. A races are our, our, our primary game. That's what my triathlete coach would tell me anyway, Aaron Guthrie. All right. So thank you for tuning in. And I'm so excited to support you in your art of recovery and know that it's in service to your leading. That's what it's all about here on the podcast. Much love everyone. Big hugs. Thanks for listening today to the podcast. You rock. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate us, leave your review. I'd love to hear from you and help us get the word out to all of those who are in search of wanting to get out of overwhelm and rise to their next level of leadership. If you think this that you might benefit from these tools or know anyone else who would, just invite them to join us, share this episode with them, give them, give them the go-ahead, the green light, something that you found interesting, and I'm sure they will also. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, sharing is caring, and I'll see you next time right here on the podcast. Mm-hmm.